0: All right. Well, good morning, children of the Most High God. How are y'all doing? I try to come up with a different name every time because you know what? We have lots of names in the Bible, and each of them are very true. Um, And so this morning, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to continue exploring uh, the promise of inheritance. So if you happen to be here a couple weeks ago, um, I was filling in for Scott and kicked off this particular promise. But it's so big that it takes more than one Sunday to, to tackle it. Um, so what we did that first week was just kind of look at the foundation of it. So why does the Bible talk in terms of inheritance? And, you know, why or how do we qualify to receive an inheritance? Well, this week we're going to talk about something even more exciting because we're actually going to talk, start talking about what is the inheritance. So I couldn't even get to that a couple weeks ago. But first... I want to share a little something with you. Um, I came across this yesterday while I was getting ready for the sermon. So here are some actual maintenance complaints submitted by U.S. Air Force pilots and replies from maintenance crews. So something a little near and dear to my heart. Um, Okay, so problem one, left inside main tire almost needs replacement. Solution, almost replaced left inside main tire. (laughs) Problem, test flight okay, except auto land very rough. Solution, Autoland not installed on this aircraft. <laughs> problem problem number one. Uh, number two propeller seeping prop fluid. Solution number one. Second propeller, seepage normal. Added under solution. Problem number two. Number one, number three, and number four propellers lacks proper seepage. Problem. The autopilot doesn't. Signed off. It does now. Problem, something loose in the cockpit. Solution, something tightened in the cockpit. Problem, evidence of hydraulic leak on right, right main landing gear. Solution, evidence removed. Uh, problem, number three, engine missing. Solution, engine found after, on right wing after a brief search. <laughs> uh, problem, DME, volume, unbelievably loud. Solution, volume set to more believable level. And last one. Problem, IFF inoperative. That's identify friendly forces. Solution, I- IFF inoperative because it is an OFF mode. <laughs> 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 All right, so the moral of the story here... <laughs> All right, so the moral of the story here is that um, if you're going to use something, you should probably understand how, how to use it first, right? You should understand what it is. And especially... If your life depends on it, as our, as our friends in the Air Force were, uh, were betting their life on their planes. So this morning, uh, we're going to explore the first of our gifts that we inherit from God, and that is eternal life. So, uh, so just like our pilot friends, understanding um, what has been given to us is really the key to using this wonderful gift and undoubtedly our lives and the lives around us really depend on it. Okay, so uh, what I'd like to do is just start out and pray this morning, um, because I know I could really use it. Uh, Dear dear Lord, dear Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just be with us. Just have your presence fall, Lord, because we just need you this morning. And Holy Spirit, please give me the words to speak. Uh, Lord, please give me your message that you would like to get across. Um, And Lord, just... Allow everyone here to hear the, hear the word that they need to, Lord, to continue moving and exploring and growing in the eternal life that you've given them. And we just thank you and we praise you for everything that you do. Amen. Okay, uh, so the passage that we're starting with this morning is Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. Um, so I'll go ahead and give you a minute to find that um, if you'd like to follow along. Um, it's a bit longer than than what I would normally use, but um, I want to I want to make sure that we get the context uh, for the passage because I'm actually I'm drawing one of the applications from that particular context. Uh, so what we're going to be doing is actually looking at a story that's familiar, I'm sure, to most of you. Um, it's the story of the rich young ruler. Okay. So starting in verse 16. Oh, and I'm reading for the, uh, from the NASB this morning, so it'll probably look just a little different from the NIV. Um, we're going to be starting in verse 16. Matthew. Matthew chapter 19, starting verse 16. Okay. And someone came to him, Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And Jesus responded, Why are you asking me about Excuse me, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into into life, keep the commandment. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall live. you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who had much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me In the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or farms, for my name's sake, will receive many times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Okay, so what does this story tell us? So the young man comes to Jesus asking, how can he obtain eternal life? And then Jesus actually, he responds with a portion of the Ten Commandments, right? Do not steal, do not murder, do not commit adultery. Well, all the ones commandments that he was talking about are the commandments that deal with how we should treat other people. But see, then he says, well, I've done all those things. What else do I need to do? So that's when Jesus starts going after the other commandments, the principles behind those commandments, because the other commandments deal with how we relate to God. And so Jesus says, well, take your possessions and sell them and give it to the poor. Now, was now the problem that this guy had money? Is it a sin to have money? No, it is not. I seriously doubt that this, that this young man had more property or possessions than than Abraham, who took on battle with a number of kings all at one time. Or I doubt that he also, I doubt that he had more wealth than King David. No, I, I really think that the problem with this particular young man was that he was finding his identity in his possessions. Because when, when Jesus told him to give up his possessions, he went away sad. So this young man was probably finding his security and his happiness in those possessions. It's never wrong to own anything as long as those things don't own you. So, so we're looking here at an identity issue because Jesus, what he was doing is he was calling him out to say, I, I want to give you freedom. I want to give you a relationship with God and your possessions are in the way. So get rid of them and follow me. Find your identity in me because then that's, then you will be who you're truly meant to be. Okay. So going on, the disciples, they see this exchange, and then they ask, well, what about us, Lord? We gave up everything, and we'll be saved, right? And so Jesus tells them, yes, because you followed me, you will sit on thrones in heaven, okay? And, and this is the part that I want you to listen to, this is verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Okay, so that's the promise Jesus gives for us, because we fall under that, right? So when someone gives their lives to Jesus, they they put him above everything else. That's what this is getting at. So, you know, do I necessarily have to give up? Do I have to give up my wife or my child? No, that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. He's saying, just put him first. If you put him first, all those other relationships will get taken care of. In fact, they'll even be better than you could even imagine that they would have been beforehand. Okay. Uh, So when someone gives their lives to him and they put him above everyone else or in everything else, they become a child of God, which is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, and they receive the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Okay, so what I want to do is um, actually start examining what is eternal life? Because it, it's a little more than you might think on, um, offhand. Um, it's not just that we're going to live forever, that we're going to exist forever. All right, but what I want, one more thing I want to interject here is um, how you think about yourself matters. In fact, it matters a lot. So that's why I kind of bring up this, this, um, this issue of identity, because your identity is really what determines your behavior. Um, and also, too, it determines what you're going to work toward. You know, it, who I think I am is going to dictate what I'm going to do to try to grow. It's going to dictate who I'm going to be in the future. So it, it shapes your present, but present, but more importantly, it shapes your future. So as we go through, I want you to, to kind of think during this sermon um, I want you to think during every sermon, but, uh, but particularly, what I want you to do is actually, you know, we're going to talk about some things a little bit later in the sermon especially that just when you hear it, I just want you to say, you know what? That's right. That's who I am. That's my standing with God, whatever it may be. Okay. Because uh, in fact, actually, here's, here's a question for everybody. Um, have you been saved? And, or actually, excuse me, if you've been saved, do you have eternal life? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, that means you're going to live forever, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so now, if your eternal... Like, okay, so you're going to live forever from now on, right? Just want to make sure we get that. Okay. So that means you've already entered into eternal life, right? Okay. I just want to make sure we get that established. Because the thing is, the promise that we're talking about, for particularly today... You're already seeing the fulfillment of it. Now, it's going to take some different, some different. Well, I will say this: there's going to be different aspects that you're going to see now, and some that you're going to see later. But understand that you have already seen the par- partial fulfillment of eternal life. That is, you were already in that standing. Okay. Uh, and I make this point because I want to keep, um, keep, I want you to keep in mind that we are already walking the fulfillment of this promise. And so that you have a proper understanding of who you are in God's eyes, as we talk about some of the aspects of it. Um, and, I, and I don't want you just to have a perspective that's kind of common among a lot of Christians, where when you start talking eternal life, it's, it's the ultimate fulfillment of eternal life that they focus on. You know, it's, it's, you know, when I die and when I get to heaven, that's when eternal life starts, which is not true. You know, understand that there is a present aspect of it which is very important, because again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dictate how you live your life. So, and don't get me wrong, like we should look to the future, we should look to that glorious day when we shed this mortal body and we get our, uh, we get our heavenly body and we're going to go and be with God. We're going to see him face to face all the time. And that's a glorious day and we should gather hope and strength and encouragement through that. But that's not all there is to this life. And... Uh, you know, because sometimes when I, do, when I do talk to um, some brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, that that's where their focus always is. And, and usually this viewpoint um, is, is focused on events that God's going to do in the future. Um, and also usually it's accompanied by talk about how bad this world is right now. But, you know, and, and even though that both things are true, you know, if we lose sight on what God has already done in us, and moreover what He's ready to do in us, if we work with Him, then we're going to lo- lose out on a lot of the blessing that He has for us and He has for the people around us. Because you know what, this world is pretty bad off in a lot of ways. You know what? That's why we're here. You know that that's why God originally put Adam in the garden. That's why He, you know, He had relationship with him. That the the whole point of that was that God's presence was supposed to Take you know, spread out through the garden, eventually spread all over the earth, and now there was a problem that occurred, obviously. But you know what? That's still his plan, and he's just try, He's now working to fill, fulfill that through us. Okay. All righty. So um, what I'm going to do is start looking at eternal life, and so I'm going to break this out into kind of two aspects: um, quantity and quality. So the quantity portion, I mean, that's pretty easy. How long is it eternity? forever. Okay, got it. We check. I think we can almost move past that one. Um, Okay, so we're going to live forever. Now, you know, death, you know, that thing which is looming out there for all of us, you know, and that that people fear is the ultimate loss in life, you know, for us, that's the victory line. Um, You know, there's no unknown out there for us. There's no... There's no darkness. There's no black abyss waiting for us there. You know, after our, our earthly body takes this last breath, you know, we're going to be taken to a place that's too amazing for words. In fact, that's what the Bible says. You can't describe how wonderful this place is. So, I, you know, I'm not going to try. Just imagine the best thing you can ever possibly imagine, and it's better than that. You know, because when we get there, we're going to feel love like we've never felt it before. Um, you know, we're, we're finally going to be complete in every way. Every longing that you have in your heart is going to be fulfilled. You know, and the thing is, we're going to be in a perfect relationship with God and with all of our brothers and sisters, finally. You know, no more fighting, no more striving. And we're going to constantly experience joy and excitement and peace unlike anything we've ever known, and it will never end. You know, we're going to outlive the ocean the mountains, the moon, the stars. And never during that time will you have to deal with the decay that comes with age, which I, I'm beginning to learn, you know. You know, and after 10,000, 10 million, 10 billion years, you're going to have no less enjoyment or enthusiasm to be alive than the day you first arrived. So <laughs> praise be to God that he... Jesus Christ won us that victory. You know, even though we were far from deserving it, he came down and he sacrificed himself because he, he loves us. He loves you, 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 that much. You know, and not only that, because of the victory that Jesus has won, you know, we, we never have to fear death. Um, you know, we can face every, every day from the time we're right now to the day we're 120 or however you know, long that we're going to be on this earth, and have confidence in our salvation and the inheritance that he promised us. So that's why 1 Corinthians 15:54 through 57 says, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is, your, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now the thing is, if, if Jesus has already won victory over even death itself, you know, what in this life do we possibly have to fear? When we give our, when we give our lives to Christ, he takes it all. All. He takes, he takes our past, He takes our present, He takes our future. Every part of our lives is in God's loving and mighty hands. And if we choose to work with Him by following His call in our lives and live according to the words He's given us, then we will walk out the victories He has already planned for our lives with boldness, peace, and joy no matter what we encounter in life. Okay, so... That's the quality, or excuse me, the quantity of eternal life, is the fact that all that is true forever. Okay. Now, the quality. And this is the part I think a lot of us don't, uh, just don't quite get because, um, well, you'll see. The, the Bible, uh, it, being translated into English, we don't always get all the, all the nuance in the context that comes through, or that was in the original language. Okay. So going back to verse uh, 29, and everyone who left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms, for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Okay, so what I want to do is take a look at the word life in in the English. So in the Greek, this word is zoe, and, you know, there's actually a few Greek words that are translated life, and they all have different meanings, but Understanding the word "zoe" in context of life is just as important as understanding like agape with respect to love, because I think that's probably more common that people understand. There's four words for Greek in Greek for love, and they all have a different connotation and well, god's love, which is agape, is far above all the others. Same thing with Zoe, the type of life that God gives us. So the, the two most applicable definitions I found in, um, in one of the lexicons is The absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical. And the second one, life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by new accessions, among them a more perfect body, and to last forever. So so just to make sure you don't miss this, it's not just that you're going to live. There's other words that, that really have just that in the Greek. This one talks about equality, fullness of life, real and genuine life, active and vigorous, blessed. And now, maybe a simpler way to look at it is uh, if you, in the verse uh, John 10.10, 10, where Jesus Christ says that he came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Or if you look in the NIV, it says, have it to the full. So really, it's, it's a quality of life. It is the essence of what God intends life to be. You know, he hasn't just given us the, power, the ability to live forever, but to partake in an amazing, deep, divinely orchestrated, and meaningful life. His idea of life is... Something far beyond anything that was possible before the coming of Jesus Christ. It's a life characterized by freedom, security, weightiness, depth, impact, joy, adventure, continual discovery, insight, satisfaction, plenty, overflowing, goodness peace, and confidence. I would keep going, but that's all the words I could think of at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but every single one of those is true. That's the type of life that God wants for us. It's a, life that we, that, it's a life lived in communion and in partnership with, God, with the God of the universe where he imparts his life into ours. He gives us the ability to live with fullness of life on every level so that we can manifest His character and His power. And also, it readies us to receive His blessings in a greater and greater way. Okay. Um, And also, too, to help understand the type of life that we're talking about, I'm going to pull a couple of verses from John, um, which I don't think you can talk about this subject without. So there's John fourteen six, and in this Jesus uh, this, is, here's the verse. Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." And then in John seventeen three. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, so the Bible connects this idea of life with God. And, by, and when I say God, I'm, I'm talking about the Trinity because it, it references Jesus Christ and um, later will reference the Holy Spirit. But I'm just talking about God as a whole. So John 14.6 tells us that God is life and John 17.3 that eternal life is knowing God. Um, And I do want to stress here that knowing is not having knowledge about God. That's not what the Bible means whenever it says know. It means experience, to know as a person. Remember that God is a person. It's it's all about the relationship. That's what it means by know. So it's about having an intimate relationship with him. And at the moment of our salvation, you know, we're actually, we're joined with God, right? Does that sound familiar? We're, We're actually... Joined with God. In fact, here's a. um, In fact, it even says (laughs) for Christ that we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. So, Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come; the old has gone; the new is here." Okay, so it says that we are in Christ, and now in Colossians one twenty seven. It says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And one more. Here's one about the Holy Spirit. This is Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so one of the basic attributes of God is that God is everywhere, He's omnipresent. He's, he's here, he's in everything around us right now. But the thing is, the Bible makes a very, makes a very pointed statements here that God is in us in some other way. He, in some fuller way, we have God in us. And that means that we, are more, we can be more intimate with God than non-believers can. So, and one one of the goals that God has in this is that he wants to be a part of everything we do. He, he is now in us. He is a part of everything we do. But, oh, excuse me. So, the thing is, in that, he wants a level of intimacy with us that he couldn't have had before. So, he wants to be a part. He wants you to make him a part of everything that, that goes on in your life. That's what intimacy is, understanding the, the depths of who you are and including him in all those things. And we can. We absolutely can because, like I said, he's already there. Let's just, you know, it's just making the, the conscious effort to include him in those things and doing things that he can, be, he can really be a part of. Okay, but now, did you catch in Romans eight eleven that the Holy Spirit gives life, and again, life is zoe, to our mortal bodies? So the more we let God into the different areas of our lives now, while we're still in our mortal bodies, then the more those areas are going to resemble the type of abundant life that God is promising here. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a, a, few, things, uh, a few more things that happen. So we talked about unification w- with God. I'm going to talk about a few more things that happen the moment that we're saved to get across again that we are in that eternal life and where our standing is. And this is where I really want you to kind of just pay attention and say, yes, that's me. That describes who I am. So one of those is, um, one aspect is justification. Basically, this is just God saying that, that we're righteous or not guilty for the things that we've done all the sins that we've committed. And that happens the moment we're saved, right? So as soon as we're saved, Jesus Christ had paid for our sins. He takes those and we gain his righteousness. So God, who's the ultimate judge, um, basically declares that we are perfectly holy and pronounces we're not guilty of of the sins we've committed. Now, justification itself doesn't make us holy, it's just God declaring that as kind of a legal matter, saying that He's, you know, that we no longer have to be punished for those sins. So before a person accepts the gift of Christ's sacrifice, they're a sinner deserving of condemnation. You know, God is the just judge will measure our performance against the perfect requirements of relationship with Him and other people. And I want you to kind of understand this too. When we talk about sin, I mean, just like the Ten Commandments, it's all about relationship. Those Ten Commandments were to protect relationships. So when we commit sins, that's generally what we're doing. We're either sinning against God or we're sinning against people. Okay, so he had no other option but to separate, you know, separate us from himself for eternity by placing us in hell. However, Jesus' sacrifice covers our sins, and so when God looks at us, he sees Jesus' perfection, his innocence in place of what he would see in us. Now, because we were believers in Christ, God... Excuse me. Okay. So that meets the demands for, for perfection. Because, again, we're in Christ and Christ is in us. So when God looks at us, he sees Christ in us. And that's why the Bible says in Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. And again, um, some folks, you know, when when you ask some brothers and sisters, you know, you know, who are you, or you know, how do you look at yourself, or you know, especially like if they do something, if they do something good and amazing, and like you just and you want to congratulate them, it's like, well, hey, I'm I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, sort of, because the thing is, you've been justified. Are, are you a sinner now? Is that the best description of you, that you are still a sinner saved by grace? I don't think so. I think that what, what this is saying is that God has wiped the slate clean. He's moved you beyond being a sinner. Because, and that's the thing, and that's what I want you to really get at, is that's the identity. That's the identity issue. That we have Christ in us. And then we're even going to go, I'll go even, the next thing we're going to talk about too is regeneration. God has done a powerful work in us to remove those things from us. He transforms fundamentally who we are the moment that we accept Christ, Jesus Christ as our Savior. Okay, so the next thing regeneration, which is the giving of a new spiritual vitality and direction to the believer by God. This is an event that happens again—the moment that we're saved—and it's typically what we mean when we say "born again." Okay, there was born again. There was something in us that that had to die; it was either already dead or that had to die, and we were born again. Our spirits come alive at this point through regeneration. So before we before we were saved, uh, we're degenerate, and then after we're saved, we're regenerated. So after regeneration, we begin to see and hear and seek after divine things and to live a life of faith and holiness. Well, this, now, okay, now while we can't always tell, it's like, I don't know about you guys. Um, I, I've heard various, you know, folks talk about kind of their salvation stories and some people are just like, heaven opened up and the angels were singing and for other folks, just like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, very, it was meaningful, but it's just they didn't really feel different. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. Because you know what? It, it, every, it, every single person who gives their lives to Christ is regenerated. Something new does come alive. Something huge has happened. And for some people, it's not that I felt different, but you know what? You know, I was like, I want to know about God now. It's like, I want to have a relationship with him now that's really the biggest sign. It's, it's not the feeling, it's what happens afterwards. It's the, after you've come alive, it's like you, you seek him. You want him. Whereas before, you're trying to get away from him most of the time. Okay. And now also too, this is actually regeneration the first part of sanctification. Sorry I'm throwing out so many words this morning, but I just want you to kind of understand the concepts if you don't know the words. So, Sanctification, now this is actually something that happens in stages. Now when we are first saved, you know, we're sanctified. Again, God God declares us, you know, He's He looks at us as being holy because of what Christ has done. Now, are we completely holy? Any anybody messed up any time lately or since you've been saved? Right. So we still mess up and we still we do still sin. But the thing is, again, God, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, so God has fundamentally changed our nature so that when we sin, we're actually going against who we are. And, you know, that causes a lot of problems. You know, it's like we start acting like somebody else. That's never a good thing, right? Okay. All right, so the thing is, in sanctification, what God's doing is he's, say, okay, he's saying holy. And also, too, we'll make sure we understand what, what holy means. Um, the idea of being holy is that you're set apart for something. So, like it, back in the Old Testament, the, um, there were implements, there was um, instruments that were used in the temple. Those instruments were described as being holy. They could not be used in anything else other than to serve God in the ceremonies that they were used in. You, I mean, you couldn't, like, they had this big brazen sea. It was this huge, know, like, tank that they would go and they'd wash themselves in. You couldn't take it out and have a swim party and then bring it back to the temple and everything be okay because God said, no, this will only be used for me, for the worship of me and for having communion with me. Okay, the thing is, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, God makes us holy. God says, "You, I am setting you aside for my purposes. So that that's where it's like you have a call in your life. That's where he, that's where that call is coming from. He's saying, "You know what? You've given it all to me. You know and I'm and I'm going to give back to you more than you could ever imagine, but I'm going to do so so that you can go out and you can also do my will." Which by the way, you're going to have a blast doing it. Okay, now the thing is with sanctification, that's the first step, but now there's also a progressive fulfillment, because the thing is, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, and, that, and remember, Holy Spirit is wanting to bring life to our mortal bodies. Even here and now, God wants us to experience the, the, as much of the life that we're going to have in heaven as we possibly can. He wants us to have it now, and you know what? I want to have it now. <laughs> Amen. Um, And so the thing is, the Holy Spirit is going to be constantly working us, sanctifying us. So we've already been declared like perfect. We're perfectly holy, set apart, unworldly, however you want to look at it. But see, now, you know, we're kind of working our way up to meeting what God has already said we are. So, and, that, and that's the part where I think a lot of people miss when they talk, start talking eternal life. That's the kind of the piece they look at. You know, they're like, well, I'm just, I'm not perfect now, and, but one of these days I'm going to get there. God isn't interested in you sitting back and waiting until that day. God wants you to, like I said, he wants you to pursue it now. You know, he, he doesn't want you to postpone your happiness, your peace, your joy, your freedom. <laughs> he wants you to experience it now and then bless as many other people as you can. Okay. All righty. So uh, a couple, a couple more things that we're going to hit on, then then I'll I'll be done. For one one of them, I'm going to come back to. Remember the context. is the identity. Um, now, I mean, there there may be other meanings that, that you have that these words have for you, but one of the biggest things is just you know if if you are a believer, is just understand who you are in God, and that is who you truly are. Don't care how you feel. If you're having a bad day, doesn't matter. You are still who you are. Like if I wake up one morning, I'm like, I don't want to be Craig today. I'd much rather be Debbie. (laughs) Does that change who I am? No, not one iota. I don't, it doesn't matter how we feel. This, who we are. And the thing is, when we understand, we recognize, and we acknowledge who we are, then we'll start making decisions based on who we are. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Okay, so that's that's why this thing, this identity issue, is so big for me. So I, you know, just, you know, have to come back to it. So if nothing else, I just want you to remember, remember that from this morning, and think about in terms of who, who God made you to be. Okay. Now, um, the second thing I'd like to do is uh, before we end this message today, I don't. Uh, unfortunately, I don't get to sit through a lot of the messages nowadays because uh, I'm out with the kids. Um, so I'm not sure how often Scott does this, but um, since we're talking eternal life, you know, if if in, during any time, if I've said anything that you started questioning, it's like, hey, am I certain I'm going to have eternal life? You know, if, if you've given your heart to Jesus and you're having those questions, come up and talk. Come up and talk to us. You know, Talk to Scott, talk to Janet, talk to me, whoever, you know, whoever's up here and is available. You know, because... If you've given your, your heart to Jesus Christ, then you should have confidence in the fact that you will have eternal life and what, and what God's calling you to. So there's something that we need to address. Now, if you're having questions and you haven't given your life to Christ, then by all means, don't don't wait for the, the end of worship. You know, you're come up here as soon as you can, and you know what? We'll go talk, because... God wants you to have that. He wants relationship with you. He wants to give you the better, a, a life so much better than you could ever imagine. Starting now and even getting better every day that you live. Okay. Um, alrighty, so let's go ahead and pray. And I'm actually going to use the same prayer that I did a couple weeks ago because I think it's just incredibly fitting. This is actually Ephesians 1.18, so just pray with me. I just pray that the hearts, that, excuse me, the eyes of everyone, um, eyes of our hearts, excuse me, uh, may be enlightened so that we will all know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Lord, we just we just love you, and we thank you for all that you're doing. And we just, I thank you for the call that you've placed on the lives of everyone here, um, Lord. And please just help us to understand who we are in you, Lord, and live that out as best we can, Lord. So that, Lord, we can spread your kingdom, Lord, and we can live the life, the wonderful, amazing life that you have planned for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.